Pope flees Rome. Assembly proclaims Roman Republic. Naples invades from south. Garibaldi's Legion and the Roman Republic. These would be the headlines if you lived in the city of Rome in the year 1849. I'm Jack Lemoyne of History Moments at historyweblog.com. This podcast is for busy people on the go. A short and tiny, teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy history break. The biggest events, written by eyewitnesses, the greatest writers, the best historians. Today's moment is by Jesse White Mariel from The Birth of Modern Italy. For clear understanding by audio, I paraphrased some words and phrases. All aboard! Garibaldi based his legendary legion on what he had learned in South America. He and his staff, in red shirts and ponchos, with hats of every form and color, no distinctions of rank or military accoutrements, rode on their American saddles, which they then unrolled, served each as a small tent. When their troops halted and the soldiers piled their arms, the general and all his staff attended each to the wants of his own horse, and then to the securing the provisions for their men. When these were not at hand, the officers springing on their barebacked horses, lassoes on wrists, dashed at full speed along the Campagna, till oxen, sheep, pigs, kids, or poultry in sufficient quantities were secured and paid for. Then, dividing their spoil among the companies, officers and men fell to killing, quartering, and roasting before huge fires in the open air. Garibaldi, when no battle was raging or danger near, if in the city, selected some lofty belfry tower, if in the country, climbed the loftiest peaks, and, with brief minutes of repose under his saddle tent, literally lived on horseback, posting his own pickets, making his own observations, sometimes passing hours in perfect silence, scanning the most distant and minute objects through his telescope. Ever a man of the fewest words, a look, a gesture, a brief sentence, sufficed to convey his orders to his officers. When his trumpet signaled departure, the lasso served to catch the horses grazing in the fields. The men fell into order and marched, none knowing nor caring whither, save to follow their chief. Councils of war he never held. He ordered and was implicitly obeyed. To his original legion were added some of the finest and bravest of the Lombard volunteers, while boys from 10 to 14, who were his pride and delight, formed his, quote, band of hope, end quote. Today, for an act of courage, a man would be raised from the ranks, sword in hand, command his company, while woe to him who failed to soldier a musket or brandish a bayonet at need. To onlookers, this legion, composed at first of but 1,000 men, seemed a wild, unruly set. But this was not the case. Drunkenness and insubordination were unknown among the ranks. Woe to a soldier who wronged a civilian. Three were shot for petty theft during the brief Roman campaign. Still, while Garibaldi felt within himself his own superiority to those around, Mazzini, a revolutionary leader, who became a major player in subsequent wars of the Italian uh, unification, by the way, 
who also felt it might as well have proposed an Indian chief to command the Roman army as this man, who in later years no soldier in Europe would have been proud to call ducks. That's a former name. Uh, remember that later years uh, Mussolini would call himself Alduce. That was a form of this word, ducks. Back to the my story. Again, it must not be forgotten that the excuse on which France explained her interference against Garibaldi in the revolution was the imposition by, quote, foreigners of a republic on the Roman people, desirous only to receive the Pope with open arms, that Austria, Piedmont, and the ultramontane faction in England represented the Roman states as handed over to the demagogues, to the riffraff of European revolutionists. Hence the absolute necessity that presented itself to the minds of the revolutionary leaders for filling the civil and military offices as far as possible with citizens of Rome or the Roman states. Unfortunately, no Roman general existed that was capable. Uh, Rosalini was, ch was chosen as the least incapable, but throughout Garibaldi was regarded as a soul and the genius of the defense. A very short time had sufficed for Mazzini and the Romans to come to so perfect an understanding that no exercise of authority, no police force was necessary to keep order in the city, as the French, English, and American residents, and as their respective councils, uh, repeatedly affirmed in public and in private letters. French General Odinot, he was a uh, he was an old guy by this time. Odinot, by the way, uh, was a uh, one of the marshals of the Emperor Napoleon uh, before the Battle of Waterloo. Back to the story. He, too, had warning from his own council, from his own friends within the city, of all the preparations of the resolute determination of the inhabitants, of the known valor of many of the combatants in past campaigns. Yet, to all such remonstrances, he answered with French impertinence, Les Italians ne s'abattent pas. Uh, they won't fight. Loose English translation. And again, back to the story. And clearly he had imbued his officers with this belief. At dawn on April 30th, 1849, starting from Castel de Guaido, leading their nabs, na, leaving their knapsacks at Magnanella. These are hard words, so don't get hung up. If I miss, if I mangle them a little bit in these stories, the officers in white gloves and sheathed swords advanced on Rome, taking the road to Porta Cavalagheri, sending sharpshooters through the woodlands to the right, the chasseurs de Vincennes on the heights to the left. Avizana, war minister from the top of the, cup, the cupola at San Pietro in Montori on seeing the first sentinel advance, gave the signal for the ringing of the toxin, which brought the entire populace to the walls, the Roman matrons clustering there to, encouraging their, to encourage their husbands, sons, and brothers to the fight. When the army arrived within 170 yards from the wall, the artillerymen from the bastions of Santa, San Marto fired their first salvo, to which the Chasseurs de Vincennes responded so well that the 
Roman officers and several of their men fell mortally wounded at their guns. Finding themselves under a crossfire from the walls and from the Vatican, the enemy placed a counter-battery which did deadly mischief to the besieged, who lost at once six officers, numerous soldiers, and had a cannon dismounted to boot. Not the slightest confusion occurred. Women and boys carried off the wounded. Fresh soldiers took the place of the fallen, compelling Odino to summon both his, both his brigades and plant two other cannons. But he now had to cope with an enemy who Frenchmen in Montevideo envied and calumnated, who to himself and his followers was as yet an unknown quantity. Garibaldi who had had but two days to organize his men and take up position, had at once perceived the importance of the scattered buildings outside the gates and occupied them all, villas, woods, and the walls surrounding them. As the enemy fell back from the first assault, he flung his men upon them as stones from a sling. At the head of the first company was Captain Montaldi, who in a short time was crippled with 19 bullets. 19. Yet he still fought on his knees with his broken sword and a broken sword. I just want to note that. And then only and only when the French retreated did his men carry him dead from the field. As fought his company, so fought all under the eyes of Garibaldi, who directed the fight from Villa Pamphili. Then summoning his reserve, himself heading the students who had never seen fire, but who had given each to the other the consign, if I attempt to run away, shoot me through the head, quote, unquote. He led them into the open field, and there gave him their first lesson to the cry of, quote, to the bayonet, to the bayonet, unquote. A lesson oft repeated since, a cry never ra after raised in vain. This was, these words, by the way, were obviously written before World War I. Back to the story. Numbers of his best officers and soldiers fell, but never a halt or panic made a pause in that eventful charge, until in full open fight the French were compelled to retreat, leaving Garibaldi absolute master of the field. And that is the way it was in Italy and in the city of Rome in the year 1849. Want the rest of the story? Go to historyweblog.com. Click on the link stories. They're in alphabetical order. Scroll down to Alibert. Garibaldi and the Roman Republic. Related stories at italian.historyweblog.com. Talk to you tomorrow.